the Pro Wrestling Stories Podcast. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Stories Podcast, the show where we take your favorite articles on you name it. ProWrestlingStories.com, we bring them to life in the form of audio. You can listen to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And also follow Pro Wrestling Stories on Facebook at Pro Wrestling Stories and also on Twitter, PWS underscore official. I'm Chris Toplack. He is Corey Rivard. We are back once again, my friend. I am the other Doink the Clown hiding <laughs> under the ring with a cast ready to hit you over the head with, ah, with a great podcast. I thought you were going to say Dink and we were going to continue with, uh, we'll get to Dink. <laughs> we will, actually. And, <laughs> and since, of course, WrestleMania season, yeah, it, I, I consider it all year round, right? You and I both watch WrestleManias all year round. And today, yes. that's the topic. We're discussing the infamous, the critically panned WrestleMania 9, and specifically the controversy surrounding the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Corey, do you remember the first time you watched WrestleMania 9? Because it did take place from Caesars in Las Vegas, Nevada. Of course I do. And I know I'm supposed to hate this thing. And everybody hates this thing. But uh, it's aimed at children. And I was indeed a child at the time. And in that context, it works. It's a big, stupid cartoon with a billion stupid moments aimed at kids. And as a kid, I loved it. Yeah. And uh, uh, this is probably aging me, probably aging us. But uh, back in the day, I'd get maybe a few pay-per-views a year that we'd actually order. And then the rest I'd watch through like the scrambled uh, scrambled pay-per-view channel. Where oh, it was, like, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, well, you get the audio pretty good and you can yeah. kind of make out a dropkick or something. <laughs> uh, but so that was special because I didn't have to look through the lines. And uh, there was a theme, a toga theme. What other wrestling had a toga. theme? Toga. That's true. And at one point, I just have to bring this up. At one point, Todd Pettengill goes into the crowd. Oh, yes. takes, a, takes a kid with kind of big ears and says, look, we got Prince Charles over here. Look at these ears. <laughs> like, how that was insane. I couldn't believe they allowed that. Stand-up comedian Todd Pendingill. And yeah, he, yeah, I mean he's I think he's eventually gonna come back. He has to, right? I mean, let's let's bring back good old Todd. He gave away a house, a Hall of Famer. <laughs> well, I mean it, Hall of Famer Todd Pendingill. Uh, many joke that if Coco Beware can be in there or the Bellas, I'm certain that Todd can get in there as well, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a few interesting um, facts, by the way, Corey. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll have you bring up a couple too, but this was Jim Ross's WWF debut. He even promoted the event on his Sunday night radio show. He even, I believe, right. had Vince on there, maybe Shawn Michaels. That was paid for by WCW, which is genius to say, hey, by the way, I'm leaving, and since they're paying yeah. for it, let's just go promote the competition. Yeah, get all those extra viewers from their, from from the radio show paid for by their competitions. Genius. Yes, and also a little fact about Doink. If you remember correctly, Steve Kern played the second doink. We'll get into that when we're reliving some moments. That was formerly Skinner, so the beard was gone, and that was the right. second doink in the match. What a what a claim to fame. Skinner and second doink. And, of course, you, you know this Shawn Michaels one as well, too. I was reading about the fact that this was the third year in a row he opened the show, and in a very infamous quote, it was actually the original Sheik, you saw me post this on my fan page, where he right. said to Randy Savage, the opening match... Matters just as much as any other match on the card, including the main event. And Shawn Michaels right. always was one to take that opening match seriously. Which obviously showed how much they believed in him and 
you know, they set up the set up the show real nice every year. He did it every time, and then show starter to show stopper. The topic today is all about two men, and particularly the story behind it, not necessarily taking sides, drawing the line in the sand in terms of which side are you on, but interesting points on both sides, and we talked about this a little bit off air, we'll talk about it of course on air, is yes, there is somewhat of a side to take, but there's valid points all around. Yeah, no, of course, of course, and there's no way to know who's telling the truth anyways, so we're just going to speculate a bit, and... Just go with the history of these people and who says what, what says who. Exactly. We'll debate it a little bit. It'll be fun. But we will look at both sides. So one of the most important things, by the way, if you want to follow along, the article is titled WrestleMania 9, The Controversy Behind Hulk Hogan Winning the Title. Author, Pro Wrestling Stories, editor, of course, the great JP. Happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday to the man himself. I wished him happy birthday. said, I hope you uh, celebrate your birthday the same way you entered the world, naked and screaming. That's brilliant. I'm so, sure he is. yeah, he could be. So, much of this article actually includes direct quotes from Brett's book. That is Hitman, My Life in the Cartoon World of Wrestling. Now, as you know, I'm going to be adding in tidbits of information, including quotes from Hulk Hogan. It's only fair, right? Of course, of course, of course. He's the other, well, he's, you know, one third, one, one fourth <laughs> of this controversy, I guess. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he deserves to have his say. Yeah, so as you know, Corey, and you are as well, I'm a big Bret Hart fanatic, so I'm well-versed on this topic. And to this very day, the outcome of the event stings, not necessarily because Bret lost, but just how it transpired. That's where a lot of the controversy for this event came from, just saying what a lackluster way to conclude WrestleMania. Now I see it as lackluster. Again, I think as a kid, seeing the wrestler Hulk Hogan come out out of nowhere and surprise Brother. you, you know, uh, surprise you come out of nowhere, that blew my socks off, I'm sure, when I was a kid. Now, just politically and all of it, now it seems like a cop out and just a waste of other people's talent and yada, yada, yada. Yes, sure. that's true. And as we go through, let's keep in mind that Brett has his opinion. Hulk has his opinion, but ultimately, at the end of the day, there's only one man who calls the shots here, who approves exactly. it or disapproves it. So if you want to criticize anybody, you have to criticize Vince McMahon or Plotty's decision in this case. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So well, we're going to start, start with Brett's book. It looks like we have some quotes there from Brett's book that we're going to read through. You have a bunch, I have a bunch. And again, this is just one perspective. We're going to start with Brett's side here from his book. On April 2nd, 1993, I went to my room just in time to answer a call from Vince, who asked me to come to his suite to talk. I knocked on his door, and he answered it with that big, goofy grin. We sat down, and Vince said, This is what I want to do. I want you to drop the belt to Yoko tomorrow. Okay, pal. <laughs> okay, pal. Uh, this was not what I had expected. I sat there dumbstruck as he went on to explain how Fuji would screw me by throwing salt in my face, blinding me. <laughs> After Yoko was handed the belt, Hogan would rush to my aid, and in some kind of roundabout way, Hogan would end up winning the belt from Yoko right then and there. Like I was handing Vince my sword, I told him I appreciated everything he had done for me, and I'd do whatever he wanted. Vince said, don't get bitter, I still have big plans for you. Sound bites flashed through my mind of Vince assuring me that I was the long-term champion, and not to worry about Hulk Hogan, who still hadn't even spoken to me yet. Mm, interesting. So in Brett's book... He notes he wasn't made aware of the new plan until the day of 
WrestleMania 9. Now, Hogan also claims to have pitched this directly to Vince the day of the event. Now, on Bruce Pritchard's Something to Wrestle With podcast, he claims the idea was developed weeks prior. Now, Corey, I have to ask you, which timeline and details do you believe here? Uh, I mean, again, we spoke off the air about this a little bit uh, in terms of revisionist history. They both have their own version of uh, of uh, performing revisionist history. They do. Brett has a way of uh, reframing timelines to make him seem like the world is against him. And, uh, you know, Hogan makes things not his fault, of course. Uh, I think business-wise, it makes sense to have had this planned out a little in advance. I not that there's so. no... Not that there's no history of them changing things on a dime, but uh, there's talk of that the European tour that they wanted Hogan to be around for after, and uh, there was also talk of uh, I guess pay-per-view replays were kind of new, mm. where they would uh, replay a pay-per-view after the pay-per-view happened, so later on in the week, um, and uh, so they they considered, or I was uh, I think Bruce Pritchard said that they considered. That on Monday, they could advertise that there was a different main event, that Hogan showed up and fought Yoko, and there was a different main event, so the people that missed the pay-per-view huh. could go back and rent it again or buy it, and uh, they make more money by having a second second main event. So that sounds pretty planned out. Wow, that's pretty interesting. That's something that they do in NXT. This was when it was taped, where they had the Velveteen Dream winning, but then there was an alternate version. It actually threw off all the spoilers, right? Because which version right. actually transpired? Did Johnny Gargano retain or did he lose his North American championship? So I actually like the concept of throwing people off and adding in those bonuses. Yeah, that's amazing and a pretty good pretty good business method there. So continuing on from Brent's book, he said this, <laughs> as I stood up to leave, I asked, did you take the belt from me because I didn't do a good enough job? Vince, of course not, pal. I'm just going in a different direction. Still onwards and upwards for you. Nothing is going to change too much for you. Of course, Brett, justifiably so, was totally crushed. He said, as I lay in bed that night, the more I thought about what Vince had in mind for Hogan, the more I felt it would completely backfire on both of them. The hokey finish would stink, maybe not immediately, but in the weeks to come, my fans, who are the biggest contingent in Vince's playing audience at the time, would gag on it. So there's that. There was something different about my fans. They really believed in me as a person. By the time I got to the dressing room the following afternoon, word I was losing, the title had leaked to the boys. Most of them were quiet and some were even angry. The nasty boys, Sean, Taker, and several others expressed their utter disappointment. Knowing I would be losing the title belt didn't stop me from planning on having a great match. I went over everything with Yoko and designed the match, so all the best moves were left for the final minute. If you were one of the boys in the back, Corey, how would you feel about the news here? Well, I think uh, any of the up-and-coming guys must have been like, okay, any of the momentum of a new guy getting to take the reins must have just been kind of squashed there mm -hmm. in terms of really we're going to go back to the well again. Yeah. Again, and and in this like sudden weird roundabout way, this not even a match happening and having it still go back to one of the old school guys is obviously got to be disappointing for the up and comers. You also have to think too, if you're say the nasty boys, especially Sean or Taker. Hey, those are my potential opportunities to go up against Brett and maybe have some form of a long term feud because I may not have that with Hogan or an Undertaker's case that came and went. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's 
I mean, everything. You give the give the whole package to Hogan, and uh, everything everything works around it always in, in the old school days. Of course. So more details from Brett's book. He details quite a bit to his credit here. Again, uh, regardless of the timeline, it's nice to at least see this well planned out. And of course, we will hear Hogan refute some of this, but also provide his opinion too. Coming up in just a bit. Of course. All right. So from Brett's book, here we go. Hulk Hogan arrived with his entourage, his wife, manager, Beefcake, of course, and Jimmy Hart. Clearly, he'd been in the know all along, probably from the first day he came back. Now he was suddenly acting like my long-lost old pal and wearing a big smile that rightfully belonged to me. Yeah. Uh, During our match at WrestleMania 9, it was hot and dry in the desert heat, but a cool breeze made it impossible to work up a healthy sweat. Mm. An exhausted Yoko stampeded like a runaway elephant, <laughs> shortchanging me on my comeback and editing out all my best oh, spots. Oh. I was furious that he would take it upon himself to go home on his own. That's how I came to find myself crouched low, desperately hanging onto Yoko's two massive calves in the sharpshooter, fighting with every ounce of strength not to let go. Fuji was caught off guard by the sudden ending, and it took him forever to find, unwrap, and throw a packet of what was actually baby powder into my eyes supposedly blinding me. Uh, This sounds epic here. I fell back as Yoko hooked my leg and Hebner counted one, two, three. Right on cue, Hogan hit the ring, protesting the injustice that had been done to me, and Earl put on that classic expression of utter stupidity that all pro wrestling (laughs) refs wear when convenient. As I feigned blindness, Hogan helped me out of the ring. There you go. And by the way, I love the fact, too, he points out, We've watched the replay of this. We're going to watch it a little bit later. It's even called A Salty Misfire by Mr. Fuji. There's no salt involved. It's clearly powder. Anybody can see that from a mile away. But as a kid, you, uh, the, the announcer tells you that it's salt. It's salt. You believe and it's it? It's kids at the time. So, hell yeah, that was salt. Yes, that was kosher salt as well, too, for God's sake. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Hogan shows up, but prior to Hulk's involvement, what were your original thoughts on the match between Yoko and Brett? He made some claims in there. The Yoko went into business for himself. Maybe he forgot about it. What were your thoughts on the match itself? I thought the match was fine. I'm always blown away by uh, Yoko just being so animated for such a huge guy. So 500 plus pounds. Yeah, or whatever they wanted to pretend it was. Yeah, 800 pounds, 1,000 yeah. pounds. Yeah, exactly. But uh, again, it was. Yeah, I thought he was impressive. Yeah. Um, and Brett always and mostly correctly states that people have their best matches with him. And I mean, this didn't go the full, the full way, but you can kind of see the despair in, yeah. uh, in uh, Brett's uh, maneuvering of the sharpshooter at the end to get it done. Right. And um, yeah. It, it, so it, there's even, it looks more real in that, in that regard. So definitely yeah, does. That's just fine. And keep in mind, I mentioned this to you off air. They had WrestleMania 10 which is a match that maybe not necessarily a classic, but it was a pretty solid match. Of course, Brett famously took on his brother Owen to kick off the card. So even if he was disappointed with this one, they made up for it a year later. Exactly, exactly. And the guy's, again, 550 pounds. Maybe he shortchanged him because he had nothing left. Or he's tired, exactly. Like, I've been been in that desert heat. It's a different beast. Like you, Yeah, similar to what he said, it is true. I've walked... Miles and miles and miles in Vegas when it was, you know, roughly about 42, which is, you know, some, something that we talk about in Canada. We're, we're Celsius up here. But yeah. down there, I don't even know what it would be. Probably like, what, 108 or something like that? But I wasn't even sweating. 
that was the weirdest part. It's this dry heat that dries up your lips and really kind of gives you shortness of breath as well. Yeah, I wonder if Yoko saw that coming. Obviously, no air conditioning. It's outside. So, yeah. Exactly. So continuing with Brett's book, Fuji stayed in the ring. Hogan comes down, as we know, and he's challenging Hogan to a title. We'll get to that momentarily, but what he says, calls him a yellow belly. I don't know why. With Yoko (laughs) right then and there. And then Yoko was still teetering from exhaustion and looking for a second wind that wasn't there. Hulk Hogan Blinked in astonishment at his final good fortune, as scripted, with my face buried in the crook of his arm. I waved, go avenge my loss. Go get him, Hulk. And I was really thinking, go ahead, Hulk. Take from me what I worked so hard to get. We'll just see how long you last. Hogan was champion again without even having a match. And before I'd even make it backstage, he simply ducked the powder Fuji threw in his face, clothesline Fuji, and dropped his big leg on Yoko. I could hear the one, two, three, the roar of the crowd and Hogan's music thumping. I couldn't help but stare at the TV monitor watching Hulk Hogan work the crowd with the same old posing routine, a hand behind the ear, shaking the world belt in the air as if to say it belonged to him all along. Well, again, he has to be convincing, Brett. Uh, A few moments later, (laughs) Hulk Hogan came up to me excited and happy and said, thank you, brother. I won't forget it. I'll be happy to return the favor. I looked my old friend in the eye and said, I'm going to remember that, Terry. Woo! Tension is in the air, Corey. You could you could just picture him saying it exactly like that. I'm going to remember that, Terry, with that whispery voice and that serious look in his eye. And he meant it. I'm going to remember that, Terry. Now, the one aspect about this that is true, it was anticipated that, you know, Brett and Hulk Hogan would actually compete against each other at SummerSlam. They even took promotional photos with the two tugging on the world championship belt. Now, Hulk Hogan denied this, but years later, he finally admitted this photo shoot actually transpired. Here's where he actually said it. It was HulkHogan.com, so you know it's official. I was leaning more towards Brett, so he wanted Brett to win. So much, in fact, that we did some photo shoots for a possible feud, and even doing a tug-of-war with the belt looked awesome while seeing the pictures afterwards. So how about that? Uh, Yeah, I mean... um... I think in the WWF, that would have been the most epic match imaginable, the, the old guy versus the new guy. And uh, I did watch them fight on Nitro, and it was a terrible match. Yeah, it was. Zero out of ten. But I'm sure WWF would have worked something pretty epic out, out of that had it actually happened. Brett, again, being truthful about elevating people's games, I think that would have been interesting to watch him elevate Hulk Hogan's game. Very possible. And, and since we're going to address the elephant in the room, what about Hulk Hogan's black guy and the explanation we were given? Do you believe it or not? There's a couple rumors floating around about it. Well, yeah. So we're, he says, which is really stupid, that he got drunk the night before with Brutus and uh, they went <laughs> jet skiing and uh, ski hit him in the eye and like destroyed his eye, apparently. apparently it, it looked awful. Like, when you go back and watch the replay, it's basically closed shut. Yeah, it's nasty. It's nasty. And uh, there's a conspiracy that Savage confronted Hulk and punched him during no. a heated confrontation, which I don't buy at all because, I mean, Savage is a good actor. Obviously, he's, he's always performing all the time. But he's putting Hogan over during the during the whole broadcast, like, really, really well while he's commentating. And I can't imagine having – I did not feel animosity from him from the pro- the previous night, so I can't 
Don't no. feel like that's real. And let's be and honest, then, too. He'd be fired if he did that. Like, Ooh, I've been right. thinking, thinking. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, I'm yeah. going to punch you in the face, Hulk. <laughs> Savage, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the the show, they, they want us to be convinced that uh, Money Inc. had hired goons to, uh, to get at him. That's not the, bad. In the, in decent, the gym? Yeah, not decent bad. Decent explanation. Yeah. It is an explanation. I always kind of thought that they should, because it looks really awful. Um, and it's very distracting. Mm-hmm. I thought, because he was in a tag team match with Brutus, who was wearing a mask. They should have just double masked it. <laughs> That's you know true. I mean? Or at least just film something backstage where he gets jumped. And then First, it shows the yeah, black the guy. Beginning. That would have been good. Because it's so distracting. And as a, I remember that part as a kid even, just being like, well, what? This it almost took away from the glory of whatever glory he had at the end. It's kind of like, yeah, but you look like an idiot. Anyways, all right, back to back to Brett's book. He goes on to say, as for Yoko, I was always a little pissed off at him for going home on me, oh, not letting boy. me show Vince Hogan and everyone else that we could tear the house down without their bullshit finish. Even so, it was the best match that Yoko ever had. <laughs> Come on, Brad, just oh, take her down a notch, yeah. buddy. Just take it down a notch. Oh my god. All right, so what happened according to Brett? On May 29th, Vince called Brad at home to tell me the big news that I was getting the belt back. Vince hated the thought of calling Hogan, explaining that he was too old and tired for a company whose marketing strategy was now based around the new generation concept. Vince later contacted Brett and relayed the message that Hogan refused to put over. The hitman and the Hulkster felt Brett wasn't in his league. Vince decided that Yoko would win the belt against uh, win the belt instead. Brett worked with Jerry Lawler at SummerSlam, mm. which I actually enjoyed. <laughs> I always enjoyed the Brett Lawler feud. Me too. Kiss my foot. Yeah. It was a great feud. Yeah, and it lasted forever. Like yeah. that never went away. No, those two life. always had tension between each other. It was great. Yeah, I always loved that subplot. So, of course, Hulk Hogan wants to put over Yokozuna, more so because he believes he's a monster. It's going to be believable. As we know, Hulk Hogan has a history of wanting to work with those monsters. So here's yeah. Hulk Hogan's perspective defending his decision. Again, this is from HulkHogan.com. Brett was a babyface, good guy, and so was I. The only time a babyface versus babyface happened on a grand level thus far was at WrestleMania 6, which caused a split crowd, and even though it was awesome, it kept the crowd divided afterwards. So I'm just going to note as well, I can understand why that he was concerned about this, because it did not bode too well for Warrior and Hulk Hogan. So having a heel bad guy beat the babyface or vice versa has always been the traditional format. So he's going old school here. And then he also noted, in addition, Brett was now just beginning to be a major player and to have him go up against Hulkamania with the risk of him generating heat over it just doesn't make sense. Just look at WrestleMania 18. Of course, he talks about this years later. I went against The Rock as a bad guy. And even though he was a good guy, the people booed him and pretty much turned him heel in that match, if you watch it. Not wanting to put a damper on Brett's rise to the top, it was decided that Yoko would beat the hitman at WrestleMania 9 and prove himself to be unstoppable. Have me come out to win, beat Yoko on a whim, and then take the title from him to become champ for the last time and enjoy my final run, which happened. Now, finally, he says, in this process, it did put Brett on the back burner, but allowed Yokozuna to gain even more heat with the crowd and more established Yoko by giving him the credentials under his belt when defeating him at King of the Ring 1993. Not only eventually gave Bret Hart center stage as the main guy, but a great heel to work with, and no one had to share the spotlight with Hulkamania anymore. So, Corey, what are your thoughts on Hulk's perspective here? He lays it out pretty well. Right, like, it's odd 
that I feel very consistently on Hulk's side. Um, I mean, he's got years to formulate this of course. story, but it, 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 it passes the test, doesn't it? It just sounds, makes sense. Yeah, history of the monsters, you want to take the monsters down. You want that to be the big fight. You want that to be, or the monster take you down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that really gels, um, and it does. It does give Yoko the bigger heel push too. Like he's that's a real monster. He's taking out Hulk Hogan in the end, and uh, yeah, I don't know. And then it does give Brett a little more heat to come from behind and take it back, and it all works to me. It all it all competes for me. How about you? My only issue with this, so again, my desire would have been Brett versus Hogan just to see it, right? It's nice to pass the torch in that regard. But at the same time, I don't know if I would have had so much of a problem with how this transpired if it wasn't for that BS WrestleMania 9 finish. It just it didn't make (laughs) much sense there. If they could have booked it a little bit differently and explained to Brett this is what the plan was all along, maybe Brett's opinion would have changed as well, too, to say, oh, okay, so the long-term plan definitely is me. Here's what it looks like. It's laid out. But can we at least give me a better finish than that, right? Especially Hulk coming out, cashing in his invisible money in the bank contract, right? You're 100% right there. And uh, why are people allowed to just go to the ring and say, all right, here's a title match at WrestleMania right now? How's that How's that allowed? I don't know. I mean, it just happened recently, <laughs> though. I mean, yeah, that, you, that's fair. <laughs> Roman that's Reigns fair. is like, I'm next, Goldberg. And he says, cool. And then all of a sudden, a graphic later shows that. Like, what? How? <laughs> We've learned nothing. Yeah, we haven't. So you kind of agree with Hulk's perspective here. I understand it, but I just feel that f- terrible finish at WrestleMania 9 just put a damper on it all the way around. But in this in this perspective, the the losing it to Yoko instead of Brett is it makes sense. It, it makes sense to lose it to the the monster, mm-hmm. and that does that does give Brett another another more more heat to defeat the monster later. So, Correct. And I think a lot of it too. You have to think from Brett's perspective. A lot of it has to be the fact that you are now the guy. So if I told you, Corey, you're the guy, you probably want to beat the previous guy, just so you know. Okay, he's passing the torch. It's official. I know it's me. I run with it. So I can understand that perspective of wanting to have that match, wanting to make that money, draw the pay-per-view buys, and then it never happens. It does feel like a missed opportunity. That is definitely a missed opportunity. That that never happened is just, it's one of those Macho Man Shawn Michaels things. Oh, God. I mean, they should have had that match. It, I don't yeah. agree it should have been a two-year feud like Macho Man proposed, but you could have right. had a good you know, eight to 12 month build Shawn Michaels wins. Randy Savage says, that's it for me, folks. He's the gen, the, you know, the new generation. He's the new Savage moving forward. That would have been great. Exactly. And with all the the thousands of bullshit matches that you get, that you never actually get Hogan and Brett in WWF. That's just what, what, how? I don't know. And as you noted in WCW, that match was so lackluster, so disappointing. I almost wish it never happened. Yeah, that that's the one that we have to turn to, and it's just absolute trash. Oh absolute boy! Trash. Uh, yeah, and that they have it on a nitro, and not a <laughs> just give it away for free. So, Why not? Yeah, that's how useless this combo is. All right, well, back to Brett's book. Uh, we got Hulk Hogan didn't go for it. I wanted to believe that Vince hadn't told me the whole story, and I made up my mind to confront Hogan as soon as he dropped the belt to Yoko. I'd wait till then because it didn't seem right for me to change Yoko's destiny, which I do really like that. Mm-hmm. If he if he goes and alters everything, then Yoko doesn't get the belt. And yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Um, I showed up in the dressing room for King of the Ring in a dark mood and promptly drew a blackboard cartoon of Beefcake with his face buried in Hogan's ass cheeks. <laughs> the caption that read, 
Be careful, Brutus. You don't want to loosen the screws in your face. Speaking of screws, uh, I was taking my frustration oh my out on Beefcake, which wasn't right, but I was too pissed off to know it at the time. That's fair. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair, or at least to admit it. I, I'm yeah. glad that he admits it, but a little bit maybe unprofessional. I know that Brett drew a lot of those to pop the boys in the back, but at the same time, you know, with Brutus, he didn't really do anything wrong there. But if you're going to take anything on on anyone, might as well be on Brutus. <laughs> that's true. I mean, we heard that we heard that last week with Ming. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep the beefcake feud up uh, from our podcast here, at least for me. <laughs> Uh, All right. What Hogan had done was perfectly clear to the boys, and they enjoyed the humor of my cartoon. Since Hogan rarely bothered to come into the dressing room, he didn't see it. (laughs) Beefcake sure did and went slinking back to Hulk. Oh, boy. But it didn't matter to me. Hogan was no longer one of the boys, and he never would be again. I was determined not only to have the three best matches on the pay-per-view, but three of the best matches of my career. Fact, by the way. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, does Hulk Hogan have any valid points regarding why he chose Yoko, do you think? Mm. I mean, he was a monster at the time. And if you want to go from a kayfabe perspective, who literally bigger than Yokozuna to lose to, right? right? <laughs> the, the, only, the only true monster they had, really, at that time, an actual, actual monster. Exactly. So I can understand why he wanted to go up against Yoko. Remember, he gets squashed. We've seen this as well, too, with Earthquake in the past when he feuded with him. So he yeah. gets squashed. And then Hulk Hogan rides off into the sunset, essentially. And now it's the big part. The biggest part that we're going to do together is we are actually going to watch the clip of Hulk Hogan somehow cashing in his non-existent Money in the Bank contract. (laughs) It's called, if you want to follow along with us, A Salty Misfire, which could be a porno name, by the way, by Mr. Fuji at WrestleMania 9. So if you want to count us down, my friend, we'll both click at the same time and we will watch this together and share our thoughts. And again, uh, from beginning to end, this this is two minutes and a half. And that's that's only half it. of that is that's only half of that is the match. So yeah, so you can in. follow along with us for sure. Yeah. So all right, I guess in five, four, three, Let's two, do one. Do you want to do it? Yes. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Click. There he is. Look at those tights. Yellow cowboy boots as well, though they're weird. I, I kind of like it. A little yeah. variation. There's that stupid eye. Yoko does look destroyed here. <laughs> yeah, he is definitely winded. Yeah. Bret Hart. The cameraman in Toga. <laughs> and Jim Ross sounds so young here, doesn't he? And looks so young. Yeah, no kidding. And see, he's talking about the yellow belly. Some of this is inaudible. Yeah. I don't even know what he's saying, Mr. Fuji. I love Hulk Hogan looking back. He's conflicted. Should I check on my do friend or do I go back <laughs> and do I actually take advantage of this opportunity? Brett, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. That, that history of their friendship is so pertinent. Yeah. You know, the, oh, and go, and here's go Oscar, Hulk. Oscar for men on a mission right here on the oh, left. Yeah, there he is. He, he actually That's got, I believe he got signed because of his rapping performance here or something yeah, like that. That day, yeah. that, that day or the, that weekend. Oh, here he comes. Kick. Punch. Oh. See, look how animated he is. He's awesome. All right. Here comes Mr. Fuji with this, the quote, salt. Oh, it's dissolving. <laughs> Come on. Look at this. <laughs> Hulk Hogan punches Fuji. There's a running clothesline. Knocks him down. Here comes the big leg drop in the cowboy boots. Oh, there we go. One, two, three. I love how Yoko just lifts up his leg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me help you out. That's it. History changed just like that. There you go. Wow. And, of course, everybody's going nuts. 
You have Bobby Heenan noting that Yokozuna only held the title for three minutes. It's the fifth time for Hulk Hogan. Why would you want this to be your capper, too? It's just silly. It's just the weirdest way to end the pay-per-view. I love the visuals, by the way. Caesars in the background. This was neat. It was neat, right? The first outdoor one. Such a weird theme. They should do this again, even just for like a live network event. Yeah. Just some sort of other theme. A theme. Look at Macho. pretty bumped. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that's hilarious. That eye. It looks bad. And and then I love it, too. You know, he's talking. He's like, I told you not to mess with Mother Nature. Woo. <laughs> I wonder what that means. Exactly. I, I don't even know. So you like the long red tights and the yellow cowboy inspired boots. I can't get behind them. It's just a different look. He carried that on to WCW as well. It's a nice, it's a nice variation on his thing. Oh, the chin grab! I love this with his stupid eye. He looks so love- weird with his black eye. Like it, I almost just wish they they addressed it fully. To just broke yeah. kayfabe and said, "What did he do? What an idiot! Stay off your jet well, yeah. ski." Yeah, what a, what an actual idiot though to go get drunk and jet ski the night before he's supposed to steal the the championship. I'm supposed from- I'm surprised he doesn't have another black eye from Vince. Why'd you do that? Yeah. Exactly, or that Vincent just. Uh, well, actually, I heard Vince uh, didn't want him to actually wrestle that that night, and everything was going to change. But he, was, wow. at least according to Hogan, he he changed it back up and kept it. I have two questions for you, Corey. Yes, sir. Final thoughts on WrestleMania Nine from start to finish. Of course, just to run this down in case you forgot, we had the Undertaker, Giant Gonzalez. Remember that Brutal. beautiful Brutal. ending with the chloroform? That was horrible. I was yeah. not a fan of Luger and Mr. Perfect. Could have been way better, but I was a fan of Tatanka and Shawn Michaels. Best match on the card, in my opinion. Yeah, that was that was absolutely terrific. Steiner sure. Brothers, Head Shrinkers. That, that was wasn't bad. That was actually a great match. Did you watch that match? I two? did, yeah. So, And I like the finish as well, too. The Frankensteiner. It's nice to actually see it conclude a match. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was a, a part where I think one of the Steiners just flew out of the ring completely. I think he missed something but yeah. it, it blew my mind up actually that was that was a really good match in, in all that but which one wasn't was Razor Ramon defeating Bob Backlund <laughs> I don't even know why he was there why he stuck around in less than four minutes this is Razor Ramon one of your future players like what a waste yeah and at the time Bob Backlund was just he had no character other than being a huge dork you know, and he was grossly, in my humble opinion, from what he used to look like, kind of grossly out of shape because he lost a lot of muscle mass. And I'm not going to knock the guy because some could say, Chris, you go into a ring. Yeah, take a body slam, probably yeah. cry and roll out. But still, he lost a lot of muscle mass. And you look at Razor, legit, you know, like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six in there against Bob Backlund. And I thought that should have lasted 45 seconds. Yeah, that was, I, I guess they just wanted to chuck a couple of prominent guys in there. I don't know. Yeah. Did they have a feud of any type? Do you remember? Not really, no. It was, it did not last very long. Bob Backlund eventually went off. And by the way, if we're talking about Bret Hart, those two had Bret Hart's worst match ever. I mean, under a WWF umbrella between each other. That was <laughs> awful. That I quit I have match. I've seen that in a long time, but I, I got to see that again, actually. Oh, that's where Owen throws in the towel for him on behalf right. of Bret. Right, right, right. It was rough. I, 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 did, like, I did like the crazy... Backwind era, though. I thought that was 
fun. I was putting everybody in the crossface, chicken wing. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. too too bad. But again, he was way better back in the you know the early '80s, late '70s, and and you know we saw him come along, and I don't know how he went back to prominence back in you know 1993, 1994. But I digress. We talked about okay. WrestleMania nine. My final yeah. question for you, Mister Corey. What are your thoughts on this entire situation? This is why we're here, the controversy behind Hulk Hogan winning the title at WrestleMania 9. Well, if you weigh in on, I guess, what we appeared to just, uh, we kind of, we were both kind of leaning towards Hogan's explanation of it to a, a little degree, bit. A I little think. bit. You know, um, again, it was aimed at children. As a kid, you see Hogan come in at the end out of nowhere. You don't ask too many questions and you say, that's amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, politically, obviously, for these people's careers, this is completely idiotic. Um, yeah, good for kids, bad for anyone with a brain. Yeah, and, and I will still say this. you know, Even though I understand where Hulk Hogan is coming from, I'm still with Bret Hart on this one. Maybe not necessarily how he laid it out, but I do believe that it should have eventually been Brett and Hogan just for both of them to make money and then for Hulk Hogan to ride off into the sunset, and especially for Brett to get the ending that he deserved there rather than just be cheated out of a you know a weird lackluster ending there. And you can still build Yokozuna as a monster anyway. Maybe Yokozuna defeats Bret Hart and then they have the rematch at WrestleMania 10, right? You're right. You're right. You're right. We're, we're, we're always going to have been robbed of that amazing brett versus hogan match if they were going to do this they should have ended up doing that for sure yeah that in the end that in the end should happen this is this current situation here from this wrestlemania is not hogan's fault no i don't think but uh yeah they should they should have probably at some point gotten to that this concludes yet another episode of the pro wrestling stories podcast we sincerely hope that you join us for future episodes keep us on air as we dive deep into the archive to bring more of these stories to life in audio form, you can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Mysterious parts unknown, if you will. <laughs> That's where I get all my podcasts. From Under the Ring, actually. From Under the Ring. And, of course, you can follow Pro Wrestling Stories on Facebook, at Pro Wrestling Stories, and on Twitter, PWS underscore official from Chris Toplack and Corey Rivard. Happy trails to you until we meet again. I can take my toga off now? Yeah, I think you can. <laughs>